Welcome to the Level Up Lifestyle Podcast from Globe Life Liberty National, where your story meets your success for the lifestyle you've always wanted. We're so glad you're here. We've invited our top performers to share their story and journey to success. So let's check out today's conversation. Mike sits down with agency owner Jason Everett. Jason shares his entire journey highlighting his shaky financial beginnings. You know, I could see that no matter how hard I work, when you're $35,000 in credit card debt, that doesn't help you get that paid off. To facing an unthinkable family circumstance. I get a phone call and I go with my wife and she uh, gets diagnosed with melanoma. And the moment he shifted his mindset to take control in his life. When I realized that I could work as many hours as I possibly could, my first year with the company, I made 112,000. All of this comes Coming up next on the Level Up Lifestyle. Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. Uh, so excited to have you all here with us uh, today. We've got a very special guest, Jason Everett, agency owner, Council of Champions member, agency owner of the year. And uh, uh, Jason, it's just really uh, exciting to have you here. Welcome. Well, it's good to be here. It's good to be on uh, one of the first podcasts ever shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, Jason, to give uh, our audience just an understanding of who you are, as an agency owner with Globe Life Liberty National Division, you are the first agency owner ever to write over $3 million in a year. You're the first agency owner to write over $4 million in a year. You're the first agency owner to write over $5 million, over six, seven, eight, nine million million. You're the first one to $9 million. You're going to be over $10 million this year. So a lot of a lot of milestones along the way. You're the you're the first one to have a PVFC of a million dollars or more, which is essentially your your retirement account. You're the first one to earn over a million dollars, earn over two million dollars in the course of a year. So you've uh, you you've definitely come a long way, and uh, you're you're leading from the front in this company, and just tremendous success. So that's that's who you are today. What I want to do is I want to start at the beginning, and let's 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 dig into. How did that happen? You know, where mm. where did where did it all start? Where did it come from? And you know, there's there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are probably going through some of the challenging moments that you've gone through on your way here. And it, I think it would be good to let's talk through that and and maybe there's some parallels and some things that people can take out of that if that makes sense. So sure, let's start from the beginning. You know, talk about your upbringing, where you grew up. What would that what was that like? Yeah, so I. I grew up in a loving family. I have uh, a mom and a dad that uh, were always supportive and big on teaching work ethic. I have two sisters. We were a real tight-knit family. Uh, I grew up in a small town called Greenbrier. If you don't know where that's at, it's just north of Pickles Gap and east of Toadsuck. Yeah, so that's should, that, that's where I had it yeah, labeled, should, right? Uh, I was, yeah, put, right. And, this is right in, there. and this is in Arkansas. Arkansas, right? yeah. 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 So little small town and uh, graduated high school and uh, – I had uh, an opportunity to go to college in Springfield, Missouri. Okay, so moved there and and uh, went to went to college, went to Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, and and uh, first one in my family to to graduate college, and so I feel very privileged uh, to be able to go and much less graduate. Yeah, what, what was it like just growing up in a small town in Arkansas? Well, you know, everybody knows everybody, sure, and so some people uh, know your problems before you do, right, and. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, it was it was a loving community, a lot of love, a lot of concern, 
you know, it was a, a God-fearing community with, with people that really loved our family, and, and we love a lot of people in our hometown. What, what did your dad do for work? What did your mom do for work? Yeah, so my dad, uh, he was uh, an uh, engineer for the Union Pacific Railroad. Oh, okay. And, uh, so was he on the road a lot with that? He was, is he on the, on the railroad, essentially, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. He was yeah. usually gone for two days and home for two days. And then, uh, so the engineer, like he's driving the train, right? Then, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Did you ever get to go on the trains with him when you were a kid? I did, yeah, uh, back before you know, all the OSHA stuff. Right. I got to ride on the train with him and, and uh, just envision that with you know, the hat and the overalls and everything, right? You pull the, yeah, pull the horn, and, yeah. and so it was, uh, cool to be able to be around that. And, uh, you know, I always thought. My dad had a really cool job because he drove people and stuff, you yeah. know, all over Texas and Missouri and Arkansas. And so that was really neat. My mom, she was a stay-at-home mom, but she also cleaned our church. Okay. And I think that's maybe where I learned a little perfection from. Uh, my mom was not uh, one to let the house go dirty. You, you didn't want to get up in the morning and use the restroom because she'd make the bed before you got back uh, wow. to the bed. But uh, in cleaning the church, all the carpet had to come the same way, you know. So okay. that was my job. I was, was going to say, I feel like vacuum. you were part of that cleaning. That's crew. right. Yeah. And so, and how old were you when you were uh, brought into cleaning? Oh, I, I never remember life without it. So right. probably four or five years old, okay. I was doing something, and and was doing that all the way till I went off to college. And and so you, you're seeing your dad working long hours, right? Going away for, you know, days at a time and you're helping your mom clean the church, I'm sure multiple days a week. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so how has that impacted you later on? You know, how has that kind of influenced your work ethic or, or. Well, you know, when I was, uh, I came home from uh, my seventh grade year expecting to sleep in, uh, you know, pretty much each day. Right. My mom told me, said, uh, there's going to be a guy uh, named Jimmy who's going to pick you up in the morning and you're going to be working on his construction crew all summer. And so he would pick me up at 7 a.m. and I would help him build houses uh, my seventh grade uh, to eighth grade, my eighth wow. to ninth grade year. And then I, I did a survey crew, ninth and tenth grade. And then I worked for a construction company my senior year. And uh, so my parents never made work as an option. Uh, it was like, this is what you're expected to do. And you know, from that, I uh, I always had my money and, uh, you know, I, if you I wanted something, it was yeah. on you. Yeah. Right. And, you know, my parents, they did uh, help me pay for college and they did uh, pay for my vehicle. Uh, they bought brand new my senior year. But for the most part, after that, I pretty much was the one that paid the bills. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that just sticks with you kind of mm -hmm. all through. So makes you appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. The absolutely. value of a dollar. You know. Yeah. It's, if you have to earn it. Right. right. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that you're the first person in your family to go to college or graduate or both. Well, my dad went for one day. Okay. So I can't say I'm the first one to ever go. Made it to orientation. Uh, yeah. He, he, made, he made it to one day and then quit. So uh, I, I, I guess you could say I was the first one to go or stay or yeah. graduate. Go yeah. two days in That's a row. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You get a streak there. So, so. Coming out of high school, that I'm sure that was something that you you know you knew you wanted to do. But what was that like, just going into school and into college, and then getting to the point where you graduated? I mean, how did that feel? What was that? What was motivating you through that? Well, one of the things that was kind of different with me versus other college students is a lot of them, you know, would get their Pell grants and and they would 
basically just become lazy during college. You yeah. know, they would go to class in the mornings and then they would hang out and do other stuff. Not me. The first day I arrived in Springfield, I went and found a job. I found a job at MCI. Uh, I had done uh, some telemarketing my last year in high school. And so yeah. at MCI, it's a, it was a phone company. A lot of people don't remember right. that phones used to have cords. Yeah. And, you know, you have to plug them into money. a wall yeah. and you couldn't take it with you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was working there. And uh, so I would go to work in the afternoons. And I worked till 1045 at night. During, and, during college. During college. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so I was able to graduate college without owing money. Uh, you know, with having a little bit of savings. And so I feel like that was something that made me do better in school because I only had a few hours to do college. And then yeah. it also made me uh, continue to have a work ethic, not get lazy. So what were you doing at MCI in the in the beginning then while you're in school? You're going to classes in the morning and the afternoon and then you're going in. What are you doing in the in the evenings? So at first, it, I was a telemarketer, okay. and uh, I would call people and, and get them to switch their long-distance service to MCI. And uh, uh, instead There's of eight, so many people that are listening to this, they don't even they, know what that uh, means, they have right? No clue. You know, like you had to pay yeah. for the phone in your own house, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> they have no clue. I'd really blow their mind if I said a ten, ten, three, two, one, or something right? Like yeah, that. yeah. But oh, then gosh, I those. after that, I became a, a supervisor. And that's uh, where I really uh, created a love for helping develop people. And and uh, so I had a team of about 16 people that would work for me at MCI. And uh, I was in charge of the hiring of them and the mentorship and the leadership training. And so that's where I knew that I love to lead people yeah. uh, from that point. And it's cold calls, just, hey, you ever think about switching your your yeah. long distance provider and we can save you 10 cents on every call or whatever it was and, you know, going from there. Yeah. And of course, you know, the big trick was how do you keep people on the phone? Yeah. And so I had a little deal, you know, where I would say, hey, if I tell you a joke and you laugh, will you give me 30 seconds? And I'd say, yes. <laughs> do you know what you call cheese that ain't yours? Nacho cheese. Oh, you know, yeah. and so they would, then I'd just die laughing and they'd laugh. And, <laughs> So that's how I would keep them on the phone. Uh, And and that's what helped separate me from other telemarketers. But also, uh, I was able to teach that sort of thing to my folks at MCI. Yeah. So so you're you're working, you're in college, you graduate. Mm -hmm. Okay. No debt. No debt. Which is fantastic, Mm -hmm. right? You hear a lot about student debt and and the challenges and everything around that, you know, and not to get into that subject, but it's got to be nice to graduate knowing that you you don't owe anything and, and you worked through college. I mean, how did that feel knowing that you had, you essentially paid your way through college on your own? Oh, I was, it was good. You know, I was making $36,000 a year as a, as a, you know, during college, which was yeah. way more than any of my, uh, my friends. And yeah. I was the one that was buying pizza for the dorm. But just because I graduated without debt doesn't mean I didn't go into debt. Sure. Sure. And, and we're gonna talk about that here in a minute. Um, you decided to stay at MCI after you graduated, and and did you change roles, or you're in a leadership role now, and you're kind of staying yeah. there? What are your goals? What are you thinking at this point? Like, a lot of people have that moment, okay, college is done. What am I going to do with my life? And and what are, what are you thinking at this stage? Yeah, so MCI had uh, uh, been bought up by a company called WorldCom, and so it was called MCI WorldCom. So I thought that uh, this would really give me an opportunity to move up in, in the company. And, of course, at that point, nobody had ever thought about cell phones being ruling the world the way that they do. Right. And so I seen a future there. And so I did a few different uh, – uh, I, I worked day, a day shift and then a weekend shift, and I tried different things. And then 
uh, lo and behold, they uh, put a, a posting up uh, for a promotion. And so I went up for the promotion. And at the same time that this promotion had posted, I had a friend of mine that had left MCI and had come over to uh, United American and started working. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he was after me uh, to uh, actually what happened was he sold me a cancer policy. Okay. And uh, really, he didn't have a clue what he was doing. It was just, hey, can hey, I come hey, who over? Who do I know? Yeah. Can yeah. I come over and go over this policy with you? Because I've never written one. I'll see if I can get through the presentation. <laughs> and so uh, he went through the cancer policy. And, and I'm like, wow, I really need this because my grandmother had just died of cancer. My aunt was battling cancer. My sister had just had a cancer scare. So I was like, you know, three or four dollars, you can't beat yeah. having this coverage. So I bought it. But the crazy thing was, is he said, you know, it's only a dollar something extra to add your wife on. And I'm like, well, she's never had anybody in her family diagnosed with cancer. I don't see any reason. But anyway, he he screwed up the the uh, paperwork. Well, he had one of my top people uh, had gone from MCI over there to work, and so he asked if I could come to the office and fix the paperwork. And I seen this as an opportunity to go in over there and try to recruit some of my people back. So you're that, going to the United American office. And, yes. And I think just for everybody that's listening, so, you know, United American is a sister company to Liberty National Globe Life at this point, right? Then they're, mm-hmm. um, they're so they have agents that are kind of doing similar to what a Liberty agent would do, you know, selling different insurance policies and things like that. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of in-home and business sales. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so I go to the office and uh, I I'm going there with the plan of fixing the paperwork, but also trying to recruit some of my top people back that had come over to to uh, insurance. And uh, instead, that was the day I got recruited. <laughs> and so I went in for one reason and left with a, a new. With a different. But they had just done the job posting. And so I at MCI. I, at MCI. Okay. So I, I, even though I had, uh, had accepted this uh, job in insurance, I was still like, I'm not sure what I should do here. I'm going to go up for the promotion. If I get the promotion, then I'm not going to do insurance. If I don't get the promotion, then I'll do insurance. And so I didn't get the promotion. They uh, they gave it to a, a beautiful lady by the name of Melissa Knuckles right. over me. And uh uh, maybe a lot of people you, listening to this might know Melissa, yeah. you know, affiliated with Globe Life. Yeah. So Tim is is her husband. And so anyway, I didn't want it to appear that I had sour grapes or anything. So I gave a three-month notice a few weeks later. And uh, during that time, I was studying for my exam. And mm-hmm. so in June of 2003, I came over and and uh, was, uh, you know, excited about the opportunity. But uh, at that point, though, my wife and I had gotten married. And uh, we had bought so a when did, house. So when did you and Sarah meet then? So this this is in college and then yes. right after college you guys are getting married? Or so what's we, that? we went to college together. We met in 99 and then uh, we uh, were dating. And then in 2001, we got married. Okay. And so between 2001 and 2003, uh, we got these things called credit cards. Right. It's amazing you can actually use the credit card at the stores and walk out with the stuff and you don't get arrested for stealing. Yeah. You know? But, and you didn't, uh, you didn't spend anything yeah, at that I moment, didn't spend right? anything. Yeah. But we'd run up about $36,000 in credit card debt. Okay. So almost what my annual salary was is what we were in debt at that point. And I thought, you know, this is this doesn't feel good, you yeah. know, just making the minimum payments. And so 
Uh, the statement, I, it says, you know, if you make the minimum payment, you know, you'll pay this off in 37 years. It'll right. cost you $250,000 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that sure makes the couch you bought not as comfortable. Right. So uh, when I started at UA uh, and I was, what was amazing uh, was we actually had the checkbook in the office. So you'd go out and make a sale and come in and get paid. And that's why I'm so excited about same day pay. Yeah. Because I know what that did for me because I could go out and make a sale and then get a check. Right. You know? You experienced it. I've experienced it. And so uh, I was able to go out and, uh, you know, make make some sales. And uh, I would bring those checks home to Sarah. And I'd be like, can you believe in a day I made a week's worth of money, you know? and. But not every day was that way. Right. You know, not every week was that week. I remember one time, uh, you know, I came home with some soap that a customer had given me. And she's like, okay, well, where's the money? I didn't, right. I didn't make a We don't sale. have to buy soap today, at least, right? I didn't, yeah, this lady gave me some lye soap, so you don't have to worry about me stinking. But I didn't right. make any money today. Right. But anyway, uh, through that, was able to uh, recruit uh, Melissa's husband, Tim. Uh-huh. And we were working together. And... And, uh, you know, that's what I think uh, was one of the first awesome things about recruiting and working with people you know is he was broke. Mm -hmm. I was broke. I had a desire to change my life and he had a desire to change his life. But the days that I felt like quitting, he would call and say, hey, let's go together today, buddy. And the days I felt like he was quitting, I was calling him and and saying, hey, come on, let's go. And his vehicle was trash. I mean, those that know Tim Knuckles now know he has a nice vehicle. Yeah. His was trash. So he actually ended up driving my truck a lot. Okay. And uh, so uh, we uh, we would go out and we would work together. And, and through that, we, uh, we, we were able to really push each other and advance. And I took uh, an agency uh, promotion later on. He took a home office mm-hmm. promotion. And so today, you know, sitting here 19, 20 years later and, and see where we've both been and to think about that first day meeting in that McDonald's parking lot going out on our first day together and knowing how horrible that day was. We went to West Plains, Missouri, and we didn't make a single sale. I can't believe he didn't quit that night when we got home, but uh, it's pretty neat to see how far we've come. It's crazy to see that transition. I want to go back in time a little bit, too, even before you started at United American. So while you're working at MCI, you're in a leadership role, and you've got a pretty good team of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you've assembled that you're, you know, you're, and now you're thinking upward mobility at MCI and, you know, now there's this merger and this could be a, a good thing for you. And then these people start leaving to go work for an insurance company. You, what, what did you think about that? How, how did that make you feel? And, and what did you think about someone leaving a company like MCI to go sell insurance? So the, the first guy that left, his name was Greg. Okay. Um, this, he was, uh, he was a, a, he's still a great friend of mine. And so uh, he had a nice truck and he was a bass fisherman. And uh, probably two or three months after he went to work in insurance, he'd come back up to MCI because his wife still worked there at the time. And uh, he pulled up and he was driving this little Geo Metro. And I thought, yeah, that insurance job is working real good for you, isn't it? Well. Yeah. And well, what I didn't know was that was his insurance selling mobile and he had a, even newer bass boat, even a newer truck. And and so then right behind him was my friend Cody and then my friend Tracy. And, and all these people were going over to They're sell insurance. They're all just saying, hey, sorry, we're going to. Yeah. And, and I'm you're talking like, about, what? 
after 10, 12 years of service at MCI, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And so when I seen Greg's car, that's when I knew I needed to go over and try to recruit everybody. Because you thought that they the, weren't making the, any the money. Geo Metro, yeah. The, yeah, you thought that was, you, know, you had a downsize. And so, so then your friend Cody comes over and says, hey, I need to, you know, talk to you guys about insurance for, you know, for whatever. And you sit down and he sells you this cancer plan that actually when, when he booked that appointment, are you thinking like you're doing this to like help him out or you, did you have an interest in getting insurance or was it just more of, Hey, you're a friend and come on and talk to me. Yeah. So I really didn't have any interest in any insurance product. I, what I was doing more than anything, I was, I was just trying to help him with this presentation, yeah. you know, cause he's just started this new gig. And so I was going to let him practice on me, but no intentions of buying anything. Right. And, and then something changes as he's explaining this to you. You're like, oh, actually, well, that's not a bad deal, right? So you pick that up. Um, but then when he messes up on the application and you got to go back to the office, mm -hmm. what's your mindset now? You're going in and you're, hey, I'm going to bring all these people back. What, what are you thinking at that at that time? Yeah, he screwed up on that paperwork and this is my opportunity to go recruit. Yeah. And, uh, so probably because they're all driving geometros, yeah, you know, right? <laughs> might have been a little vindictive thoughts that went through my mind. So you want to go take that agency and bring them back to the MCI, and then like what happened? What changed? Because you walked in through the doors thinking the last thing in your mind is probably I'm going to work here. It's I'm going to get everybody to come back to work for me. Mm -hmm. So what what happened? When I found out that I got paid for my work ethic. That, that was really the pivotal point when I knew that I could be in charge of my income. Uh, that's really what set me apart. And, and the funny thing about it is when I would go and I'd get those checks in the office, what eventually started happening is I would actually go to MCI and sit in the parking lot at shift change, and I would show people the checks I'd gotten written that day. And that's how I ended up recruiting like Mark Walford. Yeah, and uh, different people that were coming out of MCI I'd be like, "Look at how much money I made today! You have that same opportunity." So, that's uh, that that all kind kind of changed on where I was recruiting. So, from. so income is at your MCI. You were it was a capped position. Then I mean, mm -hmm. you're on a salary or an hour salary plus bonus. Okay, mm -hmm. but kind of a limited, Very limited income income structure. And so it was kind of hearing about. The unlimited opportunity at, at United American at the time, that's really what enticed you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd worked uh, and, you know, I could see that no matter how hard I worked, sixty to $70,000 a year was going to be about the the cap. Well, yeah. when you're $35,000 in credit card debt, that doesn't help you get right. that paid off. So how did that feel? That was my next question. How did it feel to have that much credit card debt? What was that? like on a daily basis well i mean it was it was like a pressure on you all the time like you know just having a big you know rock sitting on your shoulders knowing that uh that you have this debt so kind of seeing hey this might be an opportunity to knock it out or get rid of uh, it a little bit yeah when i when i realized that i could work as many hours as i possibly could to 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 you know, do away with that. My first year with the company, I made 112000 Wow. And so we were able to pay off our credit card debt. We were able to, uh, you know, have some money. And so uh, I, I tell people that first year, I just got my PhD. I was just poor, hungry, and determined, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, I was determined to, to pay off that credit card. And, 
and not be in that scenario again. Yeah. So when you when you first started, you talked about that first day meeting in a McDonald's parking lot and then the day went terrible and you know then later on I mean I, I, so at United American uh, it's very similar to what somebody listening here with Liberty would see as like the individual market where you're you're in homes right mm-hmm. you're you're going to people's homes you're selling insurance so you know, is it a lot of nights and weekends? It's a yes. lot of, you know, a lot of time away. Like, what was that like? Yeah. So my very first day, my first appointment, her name was Mary and she okay. bought. Now, I have no clue what I sold her, but <laughs> she bought and uh, praise God for her. The first day I ever trained an agent was Tim Knuckles. And that was the day that went, uh, that was not good. Uh, but yeah, a lot of nights, a lot of weekends. Uh, we would uh, team up and go out of town for uh, a few days at a time. And so uh, my thoughts through all that was it's going to eventually be worth it, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, it has been. It, it, it's been worth every sacrifice that I ever made uh, to get to where we are today. So how much of that, I mean, is that just the belief that's pushing you through those challenging moments then when you're you know, driving home late at night or, you know, you're missing, you know, events or you're missing time away from, from, your, from your wife or from family? Just that belief that something's coming around the corner is what's driving you through that? Well, I seen what people in management were making. Okay. Like I could see their checks. And not to be offensive, but I thought, my gracious, if they can make that kind of money, yeah, I know I can make that kind of money. Yeah. And so I, I did not meet anybody that had been here for five, six, seven, eight, ten, twenty 10, 20 years that were broke. Uh, you know, so that wasn't, uh, so I knew that I just got to get up every day and I got to push. And, and that was, uh, one of the things that I tried to just always focus on is to never allow my bad days to be too bad or my good days to be too good. Just try to be steady, eddy minded because in this career, you can have a very bad day and everything can go totally against you. But you've got to be determined to get up tomorrow. Yeah. And then on the up, uh, other side, you can make, you know, I remember one one week as an agent, I made twenty grand. Well, that would have been real easy not to get up the next week because that was, you know, basically half of my income before I started right, here. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't allow that to happen, so I got up and and came back to work. And so that's just been my approach every day. Is it doesn't matter how good or how bad, get up and go to work. I, I kind of think of it like shampoo. If you read the back, it says. Rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. It's all about getting up and rinse and repeating every yeah. single day. So you, you had mentioned kind of that cancer policy that got you in the door. Um, it's actually something that you ended up using that policy, mm-hmm. right? So yes. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I kind of tell people I'm kind of like the Rogaine man. Not only am I a subscriber or a user, but I also benefit <laughs> from it. <laughs> and uh, I know some of you are thinking I should get some road gain at this yeah. point but well uh, mo- most of the people here are listening so okay. it's you know it's uh it's so they think the, i have a full the hair for radio yeah. right okay. it's uh you know you're you're, you're doing good <laughs> so uh i don't know how many people know my story so i'll tell it my wife and i uh we tried to have a baby uh for several years and finally uh i was convinced that i should probably go to the doctor and get tested and so i went in and got tested and they said it was one in a million chances for us to ever have a, a child on our own. And so we went down the path of adoption, and with just a few months left before the baby was to be born, uh, the mom backed out. 
while this baby was in Ohio, we were in Missouri, and so we just kind of gave up on uh, having children. Well, at the same time, the company had given me an opportunity to open my own office back in Arkansas, not where I was from, but northwest Arkansas. So we just, my wife quit her job, and we moved, and we opened up our own agency, and and uh, just kind of put having a family on our back on the back burner because that mm-hmm. just wasn't very likely. Well, she went home sick one day, and I came home, and sure enough, she had taken a pregnancy test, and it was positive. Bad thing was, when I looked at the pregnancy test, it was from the dollar store. I thought, you can't trust they, that pregnancy they, test. They come so, already preloaded. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Walmart and got you know the the bigger bulk pack, and they were positive. So. And anyway, we ended up having our miracle son, Joshua, and uh, he's now 15. Wow. I prayed for a baby, not a teenager. Yeah. should have been more specific. Uh, yeah. you know? They eventually all turned into teenagers. Yeah. 15 months later, we had our son, Caleb, and we had our son, Hudson. Then we had our son, Titus. Then we had our son, Silas. Now she's pregnant with six, the, the sixth baby. At this point, I basically have my own parking spot at the doctor's <laughs> office. You know, I've, I've built this new building. And, yeah. And... Uh, you know, I get a they phone named call. the wing after you. That's after, right. At the hospital, yeah. right? The, yeah, I've I basically have put that doctor's kids through college. And anyway, I, I get a phone call and uh, they asked me to come in and I go with my wife. And anyway, she uh, gets diagnosed with melanoma. Oh wow! And so uh, she had a very hard decision to make, and that was uh, to do anesthesia, and it have a potential of affecting the baby or not do anesthesia. And so she chose not to have anesthesia. But that cancer policy paid out. And that's for the procedure to of remove, the melanoma. Remove the melanoma. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, what? gosh, what, what are you guys thinking at that point? Like, that's got to be such a tough decision. Well, I mean, selfishly, I'm thinking, how am I going to raise five kids if this doesn't turn out well yeah. by myself? Right. Um. And of course, I'm thinking about the baby she's pregnant with, and uh, but the the company uh, that policy uh, that I bought all those years ago paid out. And of course, I'd also added additional cancer insurance since then, mm-hmm. and so uh, with all the policies, we were able to go to the best doctors, the best hospitals, have the best treatments, uh, and uh, she battled and and became cancer free. But through all that. The company paid out over $96,000 for my wife to fight cancer. So I tell people I can stand in front of you all day long and tell you what a great company it is to work for. But I also can tell you what a great company this is because of what it's paid for my family to to fight cancer. So my wife became cancer-free. The sixth baby was born. His name is Haddon. He's healthy. And then she was able to have her seventh son, Patton. And so I have uh, seven sons. And so... You going, for, you going for the eighth girl or no? Or, yeah, no, I think yeah. I think we're caught up. You're, you're caught up. So, <laughs> how much did that experience though really influence your belief in the company? How long have you been with? Was this still United American at this time when this had happened, or had there been the transition? We haven't talked about the transition to Liberty yet, but yeah, when the when the cancer occurred, that was Liberty. Okay, so you're you're fairly bought in oh, to yeah. the career, but I mean, did, I'm sure that had to just reemphasize or just give you an, an, a higher belief and maybe something that you can share with the people that you're bringing on board? Yeah, it, it, definitely that. But I'll tell you this, it my wife was bought in already, but when she seen these checks come in with her name on them and she seen what the company was 
doing for her. Mm-hmm. I think that even upped her uh, level of love for the company because, I mean, there wasn't any place we couldn't go that she wasn't trying to recruit somebody. She wasn't trying to get them to get a yeah. cancer policy. And even today, that's still uh, the case. Yeah, I think, you know, you experience it firsthand, right? Mm-hmm. That's just just helps you. So, um, okay, so let's let's back up again. You're, you know, you started at United American. You're working a lot of nights and weekends. You're paying off debt, right? You're hoping to to have kids, trying to navigate what that looks like. You know, what, were there any other just early challenges starting out in your career, and and how did you overcome those? Yeah. So uh, at one point, uh, Obamacare was was being created. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, we did a lot of health insurance. And so there were a lot of my friends that were starting to leave the company because of uncertainty of what the market would hold in the future. And so as they started leaving, it made me nervous. There was a company that reached out to several of them that recruited them and they reached out to me and they offered me a salary and a new office. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was supposed to go and have a meeting with them and, I'll never forget this one particular day they were on the phone with me and uh, I was, you know, my friends were there. I I wanted to be with my friends and, and I just remember being on the phone and my hand just started shaking and uh, like uncontrollably. And uh, anyway, I I hung up the phone and and I I called my agency owner that had promoted me, Jeff Miller. And Mm -hmm. I said, Jeff, you know, this is what's going on. And he said, Buddy, stay the course. There's nobody that has ever worked for this company that has regretted it. Who do you know that's worked over there? And I said, okay. And so I I stayed the course and thank God that he uh, poured that into me because about nine months later, that company that they all went to work for ended up going bankrupt. Wow. And uh, because of me staying the course, uh, I, of course, uh, was able to build a much bigger agency and be in a lot better position than those folks that left uh, thinking the grass was going to be greener. Yeah. And my father-in-law has a, has a statement that I like, and he says, uh, the grass usually is greener over the septic tank. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think that was one of the, the, the great times yeah. to see that. What are they fertilizing it with, right? Yeah. And, and so, okay, so, but during this time, there's also some kind of internal dynamics going on in, in the company. And again, there's, a, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that don't know that, the deeper history of, of the company, but United American is now being merged in with Liberty National, which, you know, now we're Globe Life Liberty National Division, but so they're basically coming to you and they're saying, hey, we're going to take you from what you're doing, and we're going to put you in with this other company mm-hmm. that's got a little bit different culture, different process, different leadership, a lot of uncertainty. So I'm just, you know, if I'm, you know, putting myself in your shoes, here you are, you know, like everything in your professional world is changing mm-hmm. and it's changing to something really uncertain. Yeah. And all your friends, which you know, what you have and 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 you trust them and you've worked with them are over at this other company, right? So how does that feel in that moment of just a lot of uncertainty? What were you feeling and how did you come away with the decision to do what eventually what you did, which was to stay? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, 
when I got the phone call that I was uh, being changed to Liberty National, mm-hmm. I said, uh, you know, I, I don't understand how I can sell a 30 or $40 product and make the same amount of money that I can sell on a three or $400 product. Right. I said, I've got to go. 10 times as much. Yeah. And I was, yeah. at that point, I was writing more than the UA offices. So I said, I want to go see the number one agency in all of Liberty National. So they gave me an opportunity to go spend a week in Gainesville, Georgia with okay. Tim Adderholt. Yeah. And uh, after spending a week there, I could see the power of worksite marketing and the products and and really what separated Liberty National from its competitors. And so I came back, and, and at that point, uh, I still had my UA team out selling United American, but I also was creating a Liberty National team. And uh, so I was able to work through a transition of getting people mentored and trained uh, to make that uh, same step that I did. and uh, But during all of that, there were still people on the United American side that were leaving. Uh, and they're probably you know, telling you, hey, come with us. Yeah, you don't want to, don't do this. It's, you know. But I just kept on talking to the people that had been here before or that were still with the company for many years. And they said, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. And I'm like, I'm trusting you. Uh, and, uh, so that's what I did. I just, I'll never forget, uh, the, uh, one of the gentlemen that has now passed away that used to be a, a globe agency owner. I, I talked to him and his name is Dane Huxley. And he's like, the company will always be good and loyal to those that are loyal to them. Yeah. And, uh, so I just, that's what I did. So what, you know, what's, is that what's going through your mind at that moment? You know, they're all on the phone and your hands shaking. And you're, I mean, what what just prevents you from doing what maybe you would have been the easy thing to do, which is just okay, I'll go with you. Right? Is that just those thoughts running through your head of what people are telling you, or is there just something internal that you can't put your finger on that's saying don't leave? Or you know, honestly, I can just say it was the Lord that was telling me to stay. Uh, yeah, because. Uh, it did not make necessarily common sense to, to stay, stay the course, yeah. Uh, because I mean, they're offering me a salary at more money than what I made last year. That, right. that seems to be a pretty uh, good little deal for three years. Doing probably doing the same thing that same you were doing, stuff. so you didn't have to change right. your process. You didn't have to change your approach in your business. Learn a whole new thing at commission. Right. You can do the same thing at a salary. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, my wife uh, played a huge part of that, Jeff Miller. But I would just say the, you know, it was the good Lord just protecting me. Yeah. Just kind of giving you that guidance where to go. So, how impactful was that decision to stay the course in that time of challenge and adversity? How impactful is that decision on your life today? Yeah. I have no idea where I'd be today if I wouldn't have. uh, chosen that because my friends that made that decision today they're doing everything from hvac to timeshares yeah uh and uh you know they're they're in total different businesses they're in different financial situations and because i stayed the course uh, i'm in a much different situation today than they are so very thankful how did you main maintain trust in what you were doing in the company at this time, because you're, you're, you're jumping into kind of the abyss here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. was it the people that were telling you to stay the course or was there, 
you know, you hadn't gone through that, the, the cancer piece yet. So you hadn't experienced the policy holder side of it yet. So, I mean, what, what was giving you that feeling of trust? Well, once I met Tim Adderholt and I, I spent some time with him and then I met Roger Rich and then I started meeting some of the Liberty people and I could see, you know, the uh, process they were doing and the, the money they were making mm. and met some of the home office people like Hubert Morrison. And uh, then I, I started building trust. But I'll tell you, at the very first agency owner meeting, when I knew nobody hardly yeah. and, uh, you know, I'd spent the last five or six years knowing everybody and now going to a place of not knowing anybody. Uh, it was it, even then was difficult, but I tried to build those relationships with the right people that were leading. And I think that's still something that's very important today. Be careful of who you surround yourself with, because, uh, you know, people attract the people that they're like. If you're negative, you're going to surround yourself with negative people if you're not careful. And so in that, I tried to find the best people at Liberty National and surround myself with them because that's the people I wanted to be like. So you're intentional with your circle. Absolutely. And, you know, if there, there's, you know, the old saying, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But how, I mean, how true, I mean, obviously that seems to be very true in, in what you did when you did this transition and, and how you live your life. Well, at that point, Tim Adderhope was the, the the who of Liberty National. Yeah. So I knew if I could just be half the man that Tim was at that time, uh, he was writing about two million. If I could write a million, I'd be half the guy he was. And so I just tried to follow after him. And I made the transition in November of 2008. And in 2009, 10, 11, we were the top agency with the most growth. And so uh, we were able to transition and hit the Hit the ground running, yeah. Uh, nine, ten, eleven, and so that was uh, a great way to transition. And, and you you made a decision, you know, you're you're going to build a team, right? Can you can you talk about that when you know yeah. you're kind of like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna build an agency, I'm gonna grow in in leadership. What was that decision like, and what did it do for you? Yeah, so back up to when I was a uh, an agency director. Uh, so I, you know, had made 112, I made 114, and I was moving into management during that time frame. But then it just kind of clicked on me one day. I can hire as many people as I possibly want to. I don't have to pay them a dollar out of my own pocket, <laughs> and I can build a force as big as I want to. So at that point, our office was probably, when I started, maybe 15, 16 people for the entire agency. And so in 2004 or five, somewhere in there, I actually had 22 agents on my own team. Wow. And so I basically had built an agency inside of my own team. So I started hiring my own people. I started doing my own meetings. And I, I realized that if I, if I poured into my people, that they'd get out and work hard. And so I went from 112 to 114 to 240. And yeah. I'm like, I'm writing less insurance today than what I was writing, you know, when I was making 112. Right. Right. So I'm able to make more money. I'm able to impact more people. But the cool thing was I'm able to take people that were in the same situation that I'm in and give them an opportunity to change their lives. And, you know, one that I'm very proud about is Jason Adams, you know, yeah. uh, I uh, I didn't want to hire Jason. My wife made me. Uh, the story was they went to kindergarten together, and anyway, I uh, he he ran a furniture store there in Springfield, uh, 
And my wife went in one day and he said, hey, is Jason hiring? Because we'd gone to college together. Mm -hmm. We knew each other. She said, yes. So he said, well, tell him to call me. So she came home that night and said, Jason Adams wants you to call him. He wants to talk to you about coming to work. I'm like, he's too cocky. He'll never get out there and do what we're going to do. Uh, and, uh, and now so, Jason's, you know, one of the, the titans of of the company, You're writing a million dollars in personal business for seven, eight years in a row now, right? Yeah. Just kind of for all of Globe, you know, all the sister companies now are chasing after him. Think about the influence that he's had and then that moment and the decision to bring him well, on. Well, his wife had just found out that she was pregnant with twins. Okay. And his company that he was working for was going out of business. And so he knew that he was about to be in a major financial despair. Yeah. And so I didn't call him, even though I told her I would. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I think we went on Thanksgiving or something, and we're driving back from Kansas. And she said, did you ever call Jason Adams? I said, no, I haven't, I haven't yet. Well, next day or two after we returned, he called her and said, hey, tell Jason to call me. So she said, I thought you said you were going to call. All right, I'm going to call him. So came in and. He, he passed his exam, and I'll tell you this. Within his first two or three weeks, he uh, went out and was writing business, and his car broke down on the way to, to work for this. Uh, he had 10 or 12 appointments set. He went to the mechanic shop, borrowed the mechanic's car to finish running his appointments for the day. Wow came back to the mechanic shop and sold the mechanic. <laughs> and I don't remember how much money he made that day, but it was three or $4,000. And I said that day, that's the difference in Jason versus most people is that he didn't allow something like your car breaking down, which right. is pretty major, right. to just totally destroy his day. He still made three or $4,000 on a day that would have been a disaster. I'm going home. This is this what sucks. Was me? Why did this yeah. happen to me? And so yeah. it's that type of mind frame that really separates yeah. winners from losers. That's the, you know the the obstacle not being the obstacle, but the obstacle becoming the way to success. You know, yeah. using that. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, how many people? I'm just going to go home, but instead, you know, he turned a um, situation that cost him money, right, to fix your, your car to end up making him money. Yeah. He probably made more because his car broke down that day. Probably did. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm sure is... he told people the whole day. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know. Sorry, I'm a few minutes late. My car broke down. Then they bought. Right. <laughs> so if, if you reflect back on kind of your whole path from, you know, starting at MCI and then these transitions that you had and these challenging moments, um, how important is kind of having that support structure and really I want to talk about when you're when you're jumping into something and you're you're pouring a lot into it you know that work life balance mm. you know having a support structure and work life balance in the beginning you know what how important is that to you and how has that shaped you well you know uh, that's where I feel like I've been very blessed uh, you know Sarah uh, being a, a very supportive wife that she has been uh, during those early years, uh, you know, it was never uh, making me feel guilty for working late or I can't believe that, you know, it's Friday night and you're not home. I was very supportive. I, I'll never forget this one particular night. I was training an agent. This is back when cell phones didn't get the best signal, but 
I was working over in eastern Kansas. And I told her that morning, I said, I've got a long day, a lot of appointments. I don't know what time I'll be home. And anyway, we had our last appointment. I think it was scheduled about 9 o'clock at night. But mm. I was running real late. You've been there. Yeah. And so I showed up at the house at about 1030 at night. And, and uh, they let me in. And and uh, we made the sale. When we came out, it was starting sleeting. And uh, we didn't eat all day. And uh, so we stopped at a gas station and got some snacks to tide us over. And we got on Interstate 44. And the gentleman I was training the cell phone, you know, he had all those voicemails. And I could tell he was getting in trouble yeah. on the other end of the phone. Well, I called Sarah and told her what a great day we'd had. You know, we'd written five or six applications that day, and it was fantastic. And the difference between my phone call and how supportive she was, I could tell was completely different than the chewing he was getting yeah. for, you've not called me all day. What kind of job do you have now? And uh, the next morning he called and said, hey, I need to talk to you for a minute. And of course, we've all had those phone calls. Right. I don't I don't think this career is for me. And of course, you know, a lot of the people that have done that over the years, uh, I know have looked back with regret, but I still believe that the difference between having a support system at home and not having a support system at home a lot of times determines somebody's f future. And I, I always say you'd much rather have somebody have your back than be on your back. Right. And, you know, how much of that is just being clear of, you know, that when people talk about work-life balance, sometimes I don't... I mean, careful! I say this. I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a myth, but in the beginning, you're trying to build something. Especially here, you got to be geared kind of different because it's, it's you want to build something. Balance. So, it's it, a, how much of that is just being clear with your support system of here's what we can get. Here's where look at somebody like Jason, look at somebody like Tim, or these individuals that are really succeeding. But we got to be unbalanced and being clear. And you know what I mean? Like how how important is that? Just in setting up that support structure? Well, I, I think it's highly important. It's not going to be in balance. Your first few years that you're here, it, it's not a work-life balance. It's a work balance. Yeah, but isn't, that's and true with anything, right? If you want to be a, a good, if you want to be a professional baseball player, you're going to be really imbalanced at, on your way to try to make it to that point or, or whatever. Or a surgeon. Do. Yeah, Would you want right. the surgeon that works Four hours a day. No, that's <laughs> right. not the surgeon I want. Yeah, so it's with anything. But anything worth having is worth investing into it. And, you know, I think that uh, what you can't do is have an unreal, unrealistic expectation. So if you're new in this career and you're looking at maybe your agency owner or you're looking at the way life appears on Facebook and, you know, they're always on vacation or this, that they didn't get there overnight. Right. They had to invest many years to the, to get to that point. And so I believe that the investment on the front end is is makes everything worth it on the back end. And and think about this. You can spend your entire life having work-life balance but not be able to enjoy life because you're in credit card debt, you have no money. And and what I say is my kids need to be told no. Yeah, But i much rather tell them no because I want to say no versus telling them no because I can't afford to. Right. You know, you and I were just on a trip together. 
I, I enjoyed telling my son that he couldn't go take the jet ski out for the second day in a row, not because we couldn't afford it, but because he needed to know it wasn't just yeah. free reign, right. you know? Have some limits. And uh, so, but I see so many people that, you know, they don't allow their kids to play a sport or they don't allow their kid to do this because they simply can't afford that pair of basketball shoes. And man, wouldn't it be worth it to spend a few years being able to live a life later on that you don't have to sit there and count every penny. Yeah. How, how much, or I guess maybe say it like this, what, what do you feel has been the key? If you can pinpoint one thing from the time where you start in your role as an agency owner with Liberty to where you are today, you're writing over $10 million. You're, you're, the highest producing agency owner in the company in a record year, you know, we're, we're going to you know, write, you know, the most we've ever written now we've, you know, as a company and, and you're the leader in terms of that premium growth. What, if you could pick one thing that has helped put you in that position, what would that be? Yeah. So it might be a repeat of what I've already said, but it's just the simple fact of making sure that uh, you love on people, that in a management role that you never quit recruiting, yeah. that uh, your people know how much you care, but then also just knowing that wherever you are, you got to be all there. And so uh, n not allowing my home life to affect my work life, not allowing my work life to affect my home life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, Sarah and I will be somewhere and somebody will bring up something negative that happened at work. And she's like, when did that happen? Uh, two or three months ago. Why didn't you tell me? You don't deserve to have to carry that same burden. And uh, but the other thing is just trying to stay the same and, you know, not allowing the good days to be too good and not allowing the bad days to be too bad. Just getting up every day and being consistent yeah. in the way you treat people, your emotions, your work ethic. And uh, I believe that that is something that has really separated me from a lot of people is just trying to, you know, every Thursday at 10 a.m., I recruit. I, you, you, if you call my office Thursday at 10 and ask to speak to me, you're not going to get me. Everybody knows every Thursday at 10 o'clock. Why? It's consistent. And I think in order to be persistent, you have to be consistent. Yeah. No, that's great. Good stuff, Jason. So much for, thank you so much for taking some time here with us today and, and sharing your story. It's, uh, it's, it's always great to uh, hear where people have come from and the, you know, kind of the events that have molded them into the the people that they are. So uh, last thing, we have a, um, a bit of a tradition we've started up here at the Level Up podcast, and that is uh, bobbleheads. Hmm. So we like to present all of our guests with the bobblehead of themselves uh, as a as a thank you for, uh, for being here, and you can display it in your office or wherever you'd like to. So I'd like to present you with your uh, bobblehead. This is the, the Jason Everett bobblehead here. Uh, there you go. Wow. It looks like uh, I've aged a little bit. A little gray <laughs> hair there. 
<laughs> you know, it, it's um, it, it's it's something that you can grow into. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, we're you know, you, you talk about being humble. You know, you have to buy the shoes that are a little big, and you you grow into them, right? Yeah. So it's a bobblehead that you. Well, can, you know, I've actually heard that, that a little bit of silver silver gray yeah. fox is kind of the deal now. It, so. it is, yeah, and so. You know, you, you maybe you're starting your political career here a little bit too. I can yeah, I don't know if I look like thing. Bill Clinton or or George Bush yeah, or kind of a combination. Either. Now let me ask you this: you you guys uh, sometimes y'all get on stage and say we talked to the council about this mm-hmm. and this was their idea. Yeah, this and, is exactly. And so you know, that's hey, how you're you, going to talk. You think about that. Yeah, you know, just yeah. yeah. Jason said, "What yes. do you think about us cutting your pay?" Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could go back in time, this is this is. Talking to your bobblehead self when you first got started, what would you tell yourself? You know what? I would just say this. Trust the company. Trust the process. Prove the company right, not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Be careful who you listen to. Um, And I think I would just say it's all worth it. Yeah. Um, The the pain, uh, the hard days, get up and keep swinging. And... uh, you know, I think if I could go back and I could talk to myself 20 years ago, I didn't understand the power of residual income. I needed to check Friday. Yeah. And now seeing the life changing that the residual income can be. And now all the lives that I've seen that have been changed. Where else can you come to work and you can help people? In their current situation, talking about people that don't have a career, and you can give them a career that can immediately start changing their family. You can sell a policy that can change a family's life for generations. You can help somebody that was just diagnosed with cancer. And at the same time, the more people you help, the more you're helped. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Jason, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. And, uh, uh, thanks again. We'll uh, we'll talk to everybody uh, soon. Thank you. Right. Thank All you. Right. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this episode has inspired you on your path to success. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next story. See you soon on the Level Up Lifestyle Podcast.